Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi guys and welcome to Redirection with Terry Carell. It is such a pleasure to have you. Listen, no man, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you so very much to each and every one of you who sent me words of encouragement, words of affirmations. Some of you sent me messages saying, finally you did it. You would not understand or believe the amount of energy you, you gave me to actually get this done. For those of you who already went ahead and subscribed to my podcast, thank you so very much. I appreciate it greatly. And if you happen to stumble upon my podcast, you know, I hope you come along for the journey and I hope you hear something that makes you subscribe as well. So let's jump into it, right? From Haiti to the USA, from packing boxes in a warehouse to becoming a client success manager at Microsoft, Dr. Stevens Bonham shows us how it pays to believe in oneself, stay the course, set goals and timelines, and aim even higher even when you are already at the top. He wants to use his business acumen to better his surroundings and the world as a whole through every single action. Very excited to speak to him. Can't wait to get to know him. And I especially want to say, Ki janouye? Stick and stay. We'll be right back. Um, I'm extremely excited and pleased to have my guest with me. And um, he is Dr. Stevens Bonhomme originally from Haiti. So, you know, he's a part of our, our neighborhood. So what I say, Kijanouye. Naboule. Naboule. Bienvenue. Bienvenue. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here. Um, you have a doctorate uh, of uh, business administration, a master's in applied economics, a bachelor's in business economics. Is there anything else that I need to know? It's in economics. Jeez, you're kidding. Well, first of all, let me just say that with a name like Bonhomme, which I believe is good man when translated mm-hmm. into English, with a name like that, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. <laughs> right? So let me just um, join the community. I mean, I already told you my official congratulations, but let me join the rest of the community by saying congratulations because you just emerged with your doctorate um, in business administration. And what has it been like for you? What has this process been like for you? Uh, well, definitely. Thank you very much for the congratulations and, uh, you know, all the wonderful messages that I've been receiving from everybody has been very um, uh, w- um, welcoming because, uh, you know, uh, seeing that my story could inspire other people out there, that makes me happy to know that, yes, I've done something good and other people can share their inspiration from that. Um, well, it's been quite a dream for me to always have a doctorate, you know, growing up in Haiti where 
um, you know, education was pretty much the only way out. So you have to right. and go to school, learn and hoping that eventually that's going to help you get where you want to be. So, right. when so seeing that it was possible to have a doctorate at the such young age. So I went after and it. How and how old are you for our, our listeners? How old? I mean, normally, you know, you don't <laughs> ask women this question, but you certainly can ask men. You know, how old are you? Because you are young. Yeah, yeah. I, I received my doctorate when I was 28, and now I'm 29 this year. Hold on, hold on, hold on, sir. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. So you, you got your associates in economics, your bachelor's in business economics, your master's in applied economics, and your doctorate in business administration at the age of, by, by, by the age of 28? Yes, by 28, yes. And I've done that in five years of schooling in the United States. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Monsieur, 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 monsieur. What is stop? Hold on. What is stop in French? And is that the same in Creole, Haitian Creole? Copy, copy. Copy. Listen, listen. You need to copy, copy, copy. Hold on. Hold It's a lot. And I know my listeners might be going, what? First of all, um, Stevens Bonham, Dr. Stevens Bonham is not saying that you guys are underachievers. I am saying that you guys are underachievers. Um, okay, so let me take it back. You are currently client success, uh, manager client success at Microsoft. Exactly. Is that where you ever saw or dreamed or imagined yourself? Even in my wildest dreams, I've never thought one day I would be working for Microsoft, one of the top companies in the world, you know, because growing up in a country with a poor economic background, it's always one day at a time, you know, and probably hoping for the best in the future. So moving to the United States definitely opened a lot of doors for me and allowed me to work with some of the smartest people in the world working for Microsoft and interacting with those people every day, creating cool, cool products for clients. is just amazing. And uh, I'm just enjoying the process pretty much. Yeah. Lovely. All right. So I'm going to take it all the way back because now we have a good idea of, you know, what it is that you do and certainly what your accomplishments are. But -hmm. when I saw that post that you made on LinkedIn, what really grabbed me um, wasn't even the accomplishment, even though that was like a big deal. For me, it was when I saw the two photos that you had put beside each other. It was this scrawny little kid yeah. In Haiti. And then, of course, it had that uh, contrast with this this man, this king who is now standing, you know, ready and, and, and a graduate. And I was just like, OK, I need to know how you moved from that kid in Haiti with probably little resources, with very little, not necessarily ambition, but as you said, exposure and experience mm-hmm. of, you know, the possibilities that are out there into this person who you are now. So mm-hmm. take me back to Haiti because we don't hear a lot of success stories coming out of Haiti. And I'm sure you would have gotten these stereotypical comments even while you were growing. The fact that persons have always, the the photos, the audio, just all the perception you've ever seen around Haiti has always been negative, you know? And so when you hear a a, a Haitian success story, you go, I gotta, I gotta hear what that was like. So to carry me back home, Tell me, you know, who you grew up with, you know, was this mommy, daddy, was it single parent, you know, tell, tell me, tell me how it started. Yeah. I mean, pretty much I grew up with my, my mother and, uh, my mother's side of the family. So mm-hmm. she, she's, she's a strong woman. She's done a lot. Uh, she's pretty much the reason that I am who I am today because uh, she's sacrificed a lot for me to 
even, you know, have a doctorate today and receive all the congratulations and all those things. So without the effort that she put in, I don't think that would have been possible. So I grew up with her and uh, the, the, her side of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, she's done a lot uh, to put me to, uh, you know, the best school in Haiti for high school, which was College Canada Haitien. Although we grew up with limited resources, but she's done a very good job to trying to provide and make sure that I had access to the best um, education possible. And usually when I see myself today um, with all the things that I've achieved and anything that I've done, I don't really think that's something that goes out of the ordinary because I believe that we have a lot of Haitian people, the talent and the potential I, I, I went to school with some of the smartest kids in, in Haiti. I think right. it, it's down to more of having the opportunity, pretty much. So I think I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to further my education and do something else. But I'm I'm sure that if any other Haitian kid had received the same opportunity, they would have probably exploded the same way as well. So, so hold on. I don't mean to cut you. Let me take you. So you are now, you're in school and, and thank God for your mom who clearly had a lot of ambition, not just for her, but her family and you by extension. And she's, you know, sacrificing. You get to go to this school. You had a childhood dream. You know, a lot of us at some age say, you know, I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever the case is. Can you remember your earliest childhood dream of what you wanted to become or what you wanted to do? Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to be an economist. I never wanted Really? To, yeah. Since I was very, very young, like I've always wanted to be an economist. I've read a lot about economics. I pretty much grew up with adults. So I was already an adult as a kid. So <laughs> pretty much like they kind of like forged my character because I've, 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 I've listened to them talk and interacted with them and all those things. So, and, uh, you know, understanding the situation of the country, I've always wanted to help and see how can I best help. So I understood economics at a very young age is pretty much providing that access to those people to provide for their families. And as a result, they're going to uplift society. So I've always wanted to be an economist. I didn't really know what was that exactly. <laughs> always knew I wanted to do that, you know? Something and like I, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know my mom wanted me to be more in the medical field, which is sort of like a stereotypical thing back home where parents... Caribbean. Yeah, man. Yeah. We, we get it. Trust me. We, we get it. We, we're now seeing parents accept the creative industries and they're realizing right, exactly. the tech and the digital industry is actually quite viable. Yeah, so yeah. we were seeing it, but we're still very much traditional over here as well yeah exactly my mom wanted me to be a medical doctor and i don't i I never really imagined myself as a medical doctor but she was pushing for that which i pretty much understood because she wanted her son to you know to reach the the the, pinnacle yeah yeah, you know the pinnacle and all those things but myself i've always seen myself as a businessman as an economics as an economist so when i uh studied uh after i'm done with high school back home and started uh going to university back home and travel to the U.S., I always wanted to stick to economics because I knew that's where my passion was. I think all the success that I'm having today is because I studied what I really liked. And funny enough, I stood to my mom because she was pretty much pressuring me to be a medical doctor, telling her, I want to be a businessman and economist. How and difficult and how difficult. And, 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 and I mean, it, it may seem very simple, but how difficult a decision must that be, especially when you consider how many students we have right now within the Caribbean, within the region who are going with the flow and going along with, you know, the pressure, even though sometimes parents mean the best for us, exactly. we know that's not where our heart, our passion um, lie, you know, 
and a lot of students basically just go along with the flow then they end up being resentful you know they're just not happy yeah how hard was it to have that conversation or to say mom mom really and true yeah. now go work out you know Mm-mm. i think to be honest i think my mom just recently started accepting you know what i studied because she's now seeing the success that i'm having but i think uh-huh. until until recently she never really understood what i wanted to do with economics but i always stood my ground i'm like that's what i want you know i do understand that you mean well for me but that's my passion that's what i want to do that's how i feel comfortable mm-hmm. that's why i always encourage anybody that i talk to like i do i get it your parents want the best for you but at the end of the day you actually really are the person who really knows what's best for yourself mm-hmm. so it's always study what you're passionate about because whether you succeed or fail that's your own choice and you're going to be able to live with it So let me ask you a question because you said that with a lot of, you know, with a lot of conviction and I'm like you don't know some of these Jamaican parents and these Jamaican mothers looking at you like, well, I'm paying the bills for you yeah. to go to school and I'm paying for this particular um career. But let me ask you this. Were you able to make that particular kind of stance because you had the grades to back it up? Like were uh, you a top student because sometimes yeah. you know persons may think well maybe he can say that because he's a top student but maybe you weren't. What was <laughs> school life like uh, for you? I I I want to say that <laughs> I've done pretty good in school, you know, like I I've, I've I've tried my my very best. Um uh you know every educational system is pretty much different around mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. but I'm familiar to the uh to the one in Haiti and the one in the United States. Um in the United States I graduated college 4.0 which is the perfect GPA that you can have. <laughs> so you're a nerd. Okay, so what you're telling me is you're saying Terry Carell I've always been a nerd. That's what that's what you're saying. Some might say. <laughs> And is that something that you developed or is that something that your mom helped to ingrain in you? I think it it was the drive behind how my mom raised me because she 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 pushed me to be the best that i could be she she would not accept anything but excellence mm-hmm. so i think the uh, the system that i grew up in was you know you got to give your very best if you want to make it out there so i went hard even in high school um i went very hard and when i moved to the united states and i realized how many more opportunities i would have if i were to work that well so right. i went very very hard then on it so um Uh, in the past five years, uh, I, as I said, I graduated with an associate's degree, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate, and uh, and it was pretty much nonstop. I, I went after it. You know? Wow! No, we're going to get to the states for sure. Um, there are a lot of, and maybe this is for the males. You know, we've, we're we're seeing, um, and maybe it's the same for in Haiti. I'm not sure, but we've seen where in the schools we're seeing girls do much better. more of them are graduating more of them are graduating with much higher um you know averages and uh you know there's this fear that our boys are being left behind they're more likely to become distracted they're more likely to pick up bad company you know that 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 is something that we we always uh worry about so i guess for me uh, it seems like your mom was an an amazing mentor and a role model uh, you know she was always that point of reference for you at any point in time in high school could you have decided to do something else based on what you saw around you maybe um did you ever get that that that, that pull at any point in time and if you did how did you 
I think, it, I think I have two answers for that question because first, my mom, the way she raised me, she was very hard on me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, she gave me a break. <laughs> but now when I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, I'm glad that she pushed me like that, you know? Uh, I think uh, uh, she pretty much pushed me very hard, so I didn't have any other choice. And I think mm-hmm. also the school that I attended, the school, oh. it's a very competitive school. So you had to do good because you were among the best. So you had to push yourself and be the best as well. I think these two environments pretty much um, uh, helped me develop that type of drive that I had for excellence. Oh, fantastic. So how do you now move from Haiti to the States? So for example, in my case, um, I came from a single parent um, household and there was no way my parent, my mom could afford dorm and you know books and you know all of these if i were to go to schools abroad i I, we just couldn't afford it and so i got a scholarship to study veterinary um, veterinary medicine in cuba so i'd like to know you know what was how did your eyes get set on the states yeah and and Um, what was that transition and process like yeah my mom had already traveled to the united states prior to me coming here so she kind of again laid the foundation for me to come and her And uh, when I got here, you know, getting used to the system and learning about all the processes that I have to go through. And there again, she was there to mentor me and guide me. But I I had to go out there and learn the country myself because um, it's so many things that you can do. You know, my parents live in in Florida. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to the United States, I lived there with them for a while. And after that, I started venture out. Um, to see if I could find scholarships and what are the schools that I'm going to attend for economics and things like that, which will give me the best uh, opportunities to be successful in the in the field that I went to study. So I started school at Miami Dade College mm-hmm. uh, there, which is one of the uh, biggest community college in the U.S. How easy was the transition, or how hard was the transition? You know, you're, you're, you've left your, your friends, you know, that which you've known home. I mean, yeah. it's home. And you've now moved to a country. Um, you speak Haitian Creole. You speak French. I'm not sure how well you spoke English. I don't know how well, you, you know, how good your English would have been at that time. Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell you right here. Okay, good. In the US, I didn't speak any English whatsoever. What you're saying to me, sir? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. When I tell people that, they think I'm joking. It's really serious. I did not speak any English whatsoever. I had to go very hard on it, not only to learn the language, but also to learn the field. It's like I was doing two bottles at once. And I get that because I learned veterinary medicine in Spanish, which was kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to (laughs) do this. So here it is, you're at, you're at this higher level. Mm -hmm. You, you, are you learning English by yourself in your own time or are you enrolling in formal classes to learn? By myself, by myself. The way that I started it was, um, I studied a whole dictionary when I first started it, like from A to Z. (laughs) I I started, yeah, I I started to study the words, like what they mean and what context you can use them and all those things. And after that, I started going online and listening to the pronunciation and repeating them, repeating them. That's how I started pretty much. And also I translated all the words that I could think of from French to English. I have a notebook that I still carry with me. That's where I keep all my notes. And I was was walking on the street. I was studying. I was going around looking at signs and reading them and seeing them out out loud. And um, when I first moved um, to Miami with my mom, I had spent five months pretty much in the house before 
uh, starting the process of going to school. So right. Five months, I pretty much learned the foundation of English. Doing and what about mommy? Was mommy like... You know, she was working pretty much and things like that. So me, and did she learn English? Like, was her English as strong or did you come after and just completely pass her out in English? Let's go with the second option. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a time... Um, and I'm and I'm and I'm going to ask this based on what I experienced with other students. There were students who, when we got to Cuba, mm-hmm. they were just like, "This is not happening." It was just too much of a not just you know a language barrier, but a culture shock. And within a week, there were students who said, "Nah, boy, I go home." <laughs> I'm out. Was, yeah, I'm out of this. Like this ain't it. So while you are, I mean, you sound very driven. But at any point in time, were you ever like, "Boy, maybe I bit off more." Then I can chew. Like maybe for once, I won't be able to pull this off. Did you ever have any feelings like that? Um, I never really had a feeling of giving up because mm-hmm. I always envisioned where I wanted to be. That's why I always, my whole life, I go by, by the motto, if you can shape it in your mind, you will find it in your life. I always tell myself that whenever things get tough, I tell myself, if you can shape it in your mind, you will find it in your life. I knew I would end up here today. I didn't know I would do it so fast, but I knew I would end up here, whether in, in five years or 10 years, because that was what I wanted to do in life. So the process was very tough, like navigating the system, going uh, from A to Z, finding the opportunities and things like that. But at any given moment, I didn't have any any doubt of what I wanted to do because I had to, I had the goal in mind. You know, I knew it was going to be hard, but I wanted to achieve it. So for you, it was more, it was more, once you visualize it, you can yeah. materialize it. And once exactly. you stick to that goal and you focus on that goal and you keep yes. your strategy, then mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, that's really impressive. Um, there are quite a lot of English speakers who don't use the dictionary, who don't open the dictionary and have absolutely no desire to read and, and, and really learn. So I can only imagine you. Uh, no, I went hard on it. I went I, very hard on it. Like I was, I was breeding English. I was sleeping and breeding in English and because I wanted to learn it. I knew it was not my native tongue. And I, and I told to myself, if I'm going to learn it, I'm going to do my very best to learn it to the best of my abilities. So I wanted to learn. I wanted to, I mean, over over the years, my accent is a little bit shaped by the regions where yes, I listen. Because I, I live, yes, I can hear it. Yeah, I lived in five states in five years, so every year like that varies a little bit. But I think, I mean, I'm, st- I mean, to me, I feel like I still there's still a lot that I don't know because I I always tell myself there's always room for improvement. I'm mm-hmm. still learning, I'm still growing, but I've been going very hard on it to get at least the foundations um, down. How do you deal with disappointment? Considering um, for the listeners, they might be like, "But this dude just kind of." Waps up high school. He's perfect. He gets to a country that he doesn't speak the language and he mashes that up. You know, he's been able to blaze through five states. Um, He's been able to land all of these different things in five years. So life must have been perfect. There's like, there there can't be disappointment. You did not, you were never dejected, rejected. You were never disappointed, disappointed because... It sounds like life was good. So you need to now tell me where in life it was that you hit a roadblock and that could have manifested itself in, in any different way, shape or form. Um, well, definitely. The, the first thing is the um, economic situation, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a, in a country with a poor economic background, that could have been 
a, a major roadblock that you know that that would have prevented me from being who I am today. And second is navigating the system, the culture shock of a new country. And after that is making sure that you're maximizing the opportunities because I I always tell myself as well, you have to take the best opportunities that you receive at the right time mm-hmm. because you can have great opportunities, but if you don't take them at the right time, you won't be able to get the same thing that you would have gotten probably five years ago, five years later. So you right. need to know when to seize the opportunities and get on them and get it done. And how do you identify those opportunities? A lot of times I've spoken about that same thing and about being discerning and being able to judge and to really know before especially for the younger audiences who are trying to navigate as you as you rightfully use that term how do you know in your opinion naturally how to identify the right ones that you know if you take them when some opportunities can all look the same they can all feel the same they can all look very glitzy and glamorous like how do you identify them um usually make sure that they are aligned to your goals you know you need to know what are your goals first of all what are what are those goals that you're trying to achieve and what is the timeline that you want to achieve those goals in and after that what will be the best opportunities for you to maximize your your um your efficiency in in realizing those goals because mm-hmm. me I don't like wasting time that's why you can realize I have <laughs> I realize that <laughs> yeah i had 4 degrees in 5 years so i'm always trying to beat the time of Uh, achieving some things to the best of my abilities. So mm-hmm. being able to recognize what are your goals and what is this timeline that you're trying to follow, that's one thing for you to be able to identify what are the right opportunities for you. Like one example is I remember when I first moved to the US and um I I I finished with Miami Dade College where I received my associates and I was applying now for four-year university to get mm-hmm. my bachelor's. I applied to a lot of schools, you know, and um uh, I I wanted to go to Harvard University at that time. Right. Uh, I can understand why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I received a full scholarship to go to Tuskegee University which was full full ride pretty much covered room and board, books, meal plans, everything. So at that time I had to make the decision to go with that instead because that saved me money and the fact that I went with them I was able to graduate faster with my bachelor than it would have been possible if I had gone with the previous school. And ah. funny enough later on i still added harvard university on my resume because i got something from them also but at that time when i went to tuskegee university that was the best decision for me to make because that saved me time and that saved me money right and 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 that goes to something that i literally posted on my page not too not too long ago i literally said that opportunities may not always come packaged the way you imagine that they would there is a misunderstanding and a, mis, a misconception of you know opportunities looking exactly the way you imagine it you are what you applied mm-hmm. to this particular school and that's the school you want to go to and if i don't get into that school then it makes me a failure mm-hmm. when really and truly what it is is looking at this opportunity and saying i'm going to do it excellently regardless exactly exactly and then and use it as a stepping stone mm-hmm. yeah and going to the the other school which was the skiing university was one of probably the best decisions that I've made at that time because I've met so many wonderful people. 
I've had great experiences, got a blast there and graduated 4.0. And after that, from there, I was accepted directly into a, a PhD in economics from a bachelor. So it was the right decision to make, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned Tuskegee University because when I came home after uh, completing my veterinary medicine, my, my career there, I came home, went to the vet board um, and they told me, hey, you know, we don't accredit students who study in veterinary medicine. They, they recommended two schools to me. They recommended yeah. Trinidad, uh, UA, University of the West Indies in Trinidad and Tobago, St. Augustine. And do you know the other university that the they recommended? Tuskegee, because they have one of the best, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah. that a while ago and I was like, <laughs> that could have been yeah. me. Maybe not with the 4.0 though. Maybe not the 4.0. You did very thing. well too. You, you're still a doctor in your field, so you did very well too. But Tuskegee does have like one of the best veterinary medicine uh, school in the world. Yeah, I, I heard. And I mean, and again, what happened to me is I decided to take a different route mm -hmm. um, and maybe, you know, I'd be a completely different person if I had chosen to go to Tuskegee University. So you mm -hmm. went there 4.0. You met probably during well, your time. I, well, actually, you see, you just turned 29, you see, and I am, <coughs> I am pushing <coughs> 40. <laughs> so, there's a, <laughs> so there's a huge possibility that when I was going to go to Tuskegee University, maybe yeah. you were just hitting high school out loud now. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so here it is, you go, and you're accustomed to being top student. You are accustomed to setting your goal, um, as you said, setting your timeline and, and getting the grade. Did you ever feel pressured? Like... It was just an unrealistic. Did you ever feel whether you were made to feel by other people or you yourself? Did you ever feel as if you are setting in impractical and improbable goals for yourself? I think I think the pressure came in where after I realized the goals for me to stay on top. That's where the pressure came in. Mm -hmm. I think reaching the goal was always something that I pictured and I always did it. But after I reached the goal, now staying on top and keep reaching the goals or go higher, that's where the pressure came in for me. Because, uh, yeah, uh, I was, you know, if you will, <laughs> you know, a top student or something like that. But staying a top student, that's where the pressure came in for me because I had to, you know, push myself and don't sleep, study hard, keep having A's in classes so you can maintain the 4.0 GPA. So I think that was... Why was that important? Like why, uh, if I get 3.9, it's not that I don't know I'm bright. I know I'm bright because I've gotten 4.0 before. But I, I guess what I want to know is your mindset. You know, what is it? Personally, I'm a little bit of perfectionist. So I always want to get the very best uh, as much as I can. And uh, I think even from growing up with my mom, the way she pushed me in the school that I attended in Haiti for high school, they always push it to be the very best. So I kept the same mentality wherever I go. So I do my very best to always be on top. So uh, I think 3.9 is still good, but... To me, <laughs> but I, it's not 4.0. <laughs> there is a tone to the 4.0, like, yeah, it's a 4.0. It's a 4.0. And it, it probably looks good. different on your resume as well. It probably, you know, it's going to yeah. grab more yeah. attention. Not knocking down anybody that had, you know, a 3.0 or 2.0. Or 2.5 or something, but personally, you know, I always push myself because I always think like you can do it. 
Let's right. see. Let's see. Let's see what are your limits. Let's see where you can where you can go. You know. Let me ask you this: in this transition, um, and I'm and I'm I'm picturing a lot of Caribbean students all over the world who've had to, and I and I think we are absolutely one of the best when it comes to acclimatizing and really absorbing and assimilating everything that is going on around us. Um, we do a very good job at adapting and just doing whatever we have to do to you know to get that particular objective. Um, was there ever a point in time that you felt that it was best to um, that it was best to appear American as opposed to Haitian, or did you feel like it was still okay to wear your 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 Haitian culture, or did you have to play small and dumb down in certain areas just because of what is happening around you? I mean, I've, I've, I've always said in all my posts that I'm Haitian. I'm always proud of my origins. And uh, I, I will keep saying it because obviously, by the way I speak, everybody can already see that I'm not American because mm-hmm. of my and all those things. So I always wear that badge, you know, with pride to say, yes, I'm Haitian. But I think when it comes to, you know, like feeling Americanized or things like that, I think I wanted to speak English as good as I can, you know, like having the perfect accent. So I sort of pushed myself a lot on that, but I always kept my root as Haitian, but I trying to uh, get my accent to, to per- perfection depends right. on the area that I'm at. So I think that's where that came in pretty much. Fantastic. So here it is. You are going through, what was your first job? Can you remember your first job? Uh, and yeah. can you remember what you were paid for your first job? Oh, compared to now, it's, uh, let's say nothing. <laughs> what were you, what was your role? What was your position in your first job? My very, very first job after high school? Yes. Um, I work for Digicel. I think you know Digicel. Yes, uh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I work for Digicel uh, back home when they came around 2011, around that time. I worked for them. I started as a sales rep. Mm-hmm. And after that, I moved into logistics. And uh, these were the top two roles that I had when, right, fresh out of, uh, you know, high school and things like that. Right. And after that, moving to the U.S., I've done, you know, I've done quite a few jobs. And I work on campus as student assistant. I work part-time jobs, tame jobs, things like that, until I had the opportunity to lead to, to land a great role at Microsoft where now I'm, I'm, I'm having my career and, and a field that I like, yeah. How important is it to be um, open to jobs and roles and positions that may not necessarily be the ones you had in mind? Yeah. You know, how imp- even if you are the brightest, even if you graduate the top, you know, it's almost as if we all have to start at a level and it's almost never going straight into the high paying job in the corner office, it's usually stepping stones, you know, how important is that to, to, to remain very open about the kinds of jobs that you do and probably what was the best lesson you learned from your job? I think I published an article on my LinkedIn about that, 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 that same question you asked, and I'm glad to answer it. Um, I, I mean, in school, luckily I've always done well, but on the job market, I've been, I've been, you know, fought so much and I almost lost at some point, but I had the determination to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I've had, uh, I had to do some really uh, low job compared to the level of education that, that I had, you, had. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, because uh, one thing that I realized was it's either I was overqualified 
in terms of education or underqualified in terms of experience. Right. So I was always battling that. So I had to pretty much, you know, put ego or pride aside and do what I had to do so I can get where I wanted to be. Because I've done, I, I mean, I, I worked some some jobs when I, if I were to say, well, I have a master's or doctorate, I'm not gonna work these jobs. So I don't think that I would have gotten the, the role that I had at Microsoft. It's because all these jobs somehow played a way for me to become the professional that I am at Microsoft right now. Right, right. And so tell me of the different jobs, you know, these different roles, these different positions, despite probably being overqualified and despite probably being smarter than your very own supervisor or even managers, what's, what's maybe your top three best things that you learned, whether they were soft skills or hard skills that you took now into your bigger role in life? I mean, I mean, one thing that I realized was regardless of your level of education, there's always room for improvement. You can always learn something from somebody else because I have a doctorate, but I don't know everything in life. You know, <laughs> I don't know something from another field. So I'm always putting myself in a way in a humble, humble way to learn from somebody else because those people, they come in with experience, with life experience, with job experience, whatever. So I always want to learn from them. Yeah. So I always have that uh, growth mindset cool. where I... Yeah, that's one thing that I learned. It's a growth mindset, like always learn from other people, regardless of your level of education, because they can teach you something. Second thing is, um, you know, do what you have to do to be where you have to be in hmm. life. You know, like, Could you just repeat that one more time? Do what you have to do to be where you want to be in life. Hmm. Put ego, pride aside and do what you have to do, because eventually those things will be experiences for you to get the dream role that you, you want to get. And third things is pretty much uh, what I learned was, uh, you know, being flexible in customer service. I learned that in my previous hmm. roles. And which was funny when I tell people that when I got hired at Microsoft, yes, I did not have the direct experience they were looking for for the role. Uh, but... I had transferable skills from previous role that I had that were able to be transferred to the current role they were hiring for. You know what I mean? And you so see, what, what, what's so funny, I don't even mean to cut you, but it, 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 it is something that I speak about all the time. The fact that in schools, we're usually institutionalized to believe that, you know, it comes down to academics. You know, it's mm-hmm. academics. But then we realize when you go into the real world, like we're really talking about the real world, there's so many things that have to be a part of your personality, your adaptability, your creativity. Are you mm-hmm. a team player? Can you resolve conflicts? You know, how do mm-hmm. you manage conflicts? And these are a lot of areas that many of us do not necessarily develop. We mm-hmm. just kind of think that's not as important as getting those amazing grades on a, on a CV. So what you're basically saying is that it's having transferable skills across, yeah. The, yeah, across yeah. the board. Yeah, the skills that I learned from the previous roles uh, uh, helped me get the role at Microsoft because they were transferred into what type of candidates they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And, because, um, and also you have to get the passion. Passion is something that's very important for me. You cannot teach people passion. You can teach people how a to skill. Uh, mm-hmm. a skill. But I cannot teach you to love what you do. You know what I mean? The job market is really competitive. Like when I... The, the perception that I had in school was go to school, get all these degrees. And after that, I'm going to get the best job. Best like, job ever. Millions yeah. of dollars every month. No, no, I had to struggle so much because I had to 
learning the skills is good, but showing your ability to achieve the job is another thing. So I had mm. to learn how to uh, make practical what I learned in the classroom. So I had mm. to get the experience that I needed so I can accompany that with the, with, with the, with the stuff that I learned in the classroom, which made me more marketable. So I had to oh. do some really, really, you know, low paying jobs, you know, with the degrees that I had so I can build that experience that I needed to go after that role. Which job out of all of those, as you said, low paying jobs that were stepping stones for you, which job was the hardest and which one taught you the most? Um, I mean, I, I worked in the warehouse before where I was lifting boxes and switching boxes. And at that time I had a master's and I was finishing my doctorate. But I was... Wow. Repeat. Hold on. Say that one more time for me now, please, sir. Miss yeah, you, Bonom. I had a master's. I was finishing my doctorate, but yet I was working in a warehouse, lifting boxes, uh, switching boxes, places, and doing some, um, you know, uh, pretty much like cleaning around and doing those things. At so, that point in time, did you ever feel like, hold on a second, so I boss up high school I do what I'm supposed to do. I learn English. I am a good guy. I, you know, I stayed out of trouble. I haven't mixed up with bad company. I'm getting the highest grades in my class. I'm now with a master's and I am, pa- I am packing boxes, for Christ's sake. At, yeah. at that point in time, did you say this was a waste of time? At any point uh, in time? It was, it was tough. It was tough. I was like... Why? <laughs> I think at that time I started questioning my questioning myself a little bit. I'm like, why? Why did I do all that? All of for this? this, you know. So it was it was tough going? at that time. It was tough, but okay. I knew it was. I was. I knew it was temporary. I knew I wouldn't stay there forever. I knew I had to do what I had to do to be where I wanted to be again. You know. So I did it for a while. During that time, I was still applying for the jobs and still finishing my my doctorate in business. And eventually, I quit that job, get on a low-paying job. And after that, I landed at Microsoft. We don't even get to Microsoft yet. So so would you say that that was the hardest job and or was it the job that taught you the most, the one in the warehouse? I I think that's the job that taught me the most. Like personally, I'm I'm a humble person. Uh, but that job made me very humble, thinking that I had a master's and I had a, a, a doctoral level, but I was, you know, lifting boxes and switching boxes. Mm-hmm. And so that made me realize, wow, you know, it's it's life, you know, you know, it's you don't life. Know so, it is life. So here it is. You're moving from job to job, still excelling at yeah. uh, you know at at uh, academically, and whoops. Microsoft, how does, cause let me tell you something. I have heard about the Microsoft interviewing process. I have heard about candidates going through rounds and, you know, you're getting very close and then you drop out and then you have to try again. Then you get to another round. And I understand it is one of the most competitive companies yeah. So I want you to kind of, uh, and, and for my, my, my listeners, just shape the story so that we can know, here it is, you're moving from one low job to the next one. <laughs> How does Microsoft come into play? 
I mean, I guess God had something in storage for me because I was moving from low job to low job. And one day, somebody out of nowhere sent me a message on LinkedIn telling me, hey, do you want to work for Microsoft? Just like that. Out of hold nowhere. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> doctor, that was a doctor. blessing. <laughs> doctor, 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 doctor. And was this a, um, was this a connection? A yeah, that was a recruiter from Microsoft. At that time, that person reached out to me and telling me, hey, I went through your profile and I saw that you had those skills. I was wondering if you wanted to work for Microsoft. In my mind, I'm like, you were wondering. <laughs> what, do <you> mean? <laughs> what do you mean you were wondering? <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so I love that you touch this point. I love that you touch this point because a lot of the times on LinkedIn, and by the way, I always take the opportunity to encourage all of my people to jump on LinkedIn. It is a professional network and it will certainly assist with you positioning and aligning based mm-hmm. on what your goals are. But I've noticed a lot of persons who are unemployed or who are students would rather say student unemployed, but they mm-hmm. do not maximize on trying to put their talents or their experience or what they love on display so how important was it for you even though you were not at the level in terms of jobs still having an online profile that would attract the likes of a recruiter for microsoft yeah i mean i've always believed in linkedin with the professional platform that will definitely help you land a job so i i I build my profile in a way like i optimize my linkedin like i build a very nice profile i connect it to the people in the field that i wanted to to enter like you know business economics finance things like that so and i started building my connections and i was having you know thousands of people connecting with me and i also it's based on personal branding pretty much how do you present yourself online how do you present your brand because right now linkedin is pretty much a resume most recruiters or most employers they go on your linkedin to make a decision on you you know what i mean so absolutely at at that time i had a really strong linkedin presence and i marketed myself very well on there too in terms of uh yes i probably don't have the type of experience that you're looking for right now but that's what i've been doing and that's what can be used in the current role that you're applying for and the job that i found at linkedin was based on my primarily my french proficiency because that's one thing that i want to point out there what (laughs) yeah that's one thing i want to point out because there is that sort of tradition when you move to the u.s to tend to forget your native tongue so i i'm 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 highly discouraging that because right now the job market is becoming very competitive. So international and global business, and yeah, global mm-hmm. business is becoming very important. So you need to differentiate yourself in a way that's going to make you more marketable. Like I got the job because I could speak French because they needed somebody to interact with clients in Canada at that time. What? <laughs> Your face is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just listening. No, no, but, but, but I think, and again, as you rightfully say, sometimes it is, it is not what you think mm-hmm. people are going to look at and pick you for. It's, it's, it's never, it's never, ever that. And I can yeah. tell you that because I speak Spanish, mm-hmm. it has opened up opportunities for me, especially when we have audiences that are Spanish speakers. Usually mm-hmm. I am called in to be the host because I can go back between English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous gift. So yeah. dude says, you think you want to work for Microsoft? And Get you go, in order. <laughs> you go, hell yes. Yeah. What hell is yeah. that? 
what is that process like or what was that process was it grueling i've i've heard even mm. for the brightest and the best it can be very it can be a very self-doubting process because i've heard it's just really hard yeah microsoft is one of the top companies in the world very competitive smart people working there so sometimes you have that imposter syndrome that mm-hmm. oh my god i'm enough or are they gonna take me like they are so smart that I cannot shine in their presence and things like that so the, the process was very competitive definitely because Microsoft wants to get the best you know wow. candidate to create the best features and best products for the clients so my process I had to go through I think some extra steps because I had wow. to yeah <laughs> I had to prove that I could actually speak French well I was about to ask you I was like did you have to speak French because I would have to check you out to make sure you're not one of those <laughs> persons who say you can do something online and offline you can't even yeah. use like two words yeah yeah I had I had interviews in French with somebody that was from Paris at that time to Aye. just talk to the person and Ooh la la. Mm. Ooh la la. So yeah, so that was the first part of my process, um, you know, uh, showing that I could actually speak French. And after that, getting into the the, the, the real things, you know, right. like the, the behavioral interviews, the technical interviews. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a rewarding process because I've learned a lot because that made me pretty much better at interviewing with companies but luckily i got the job but it was it was rewarding definitely. but even if you didn't get the job which is something else that we're trying to instill in the youngsters especially the ones who are going out into the marketplace even if you didn't get the job i've always told persons that every single experience is a learning process Every single experience um, trains you in some way, shape or form. So I'm sure even going through all of those different, you know, procedures and processes, even if you hadn't gotten the job, you would have now seen what the top notch companies look for and you could position even better the next time. Exactly. Because you're always learning from anything pretty much. And being, being able to interview with Microsoft in the first place, that's a, that's that's a great opportunity too whether you get the role or not because you're in the room with like the smartest people in the world so you have you you, you get to experience that feeling to, of you being on top of the world you know so it, it's amazing so you get accepted what do they do they, they text you they email you they phone you like hold uh, where where were you when you got the yo a microsoft you work you know where, where were you what were you doing uh i was just leaving my other loping job <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. And what yeah. was how did you feel, man? It was amazing when when I when I received that email because that email was a little bit, you know, the email that starts with like thank you for interviewing and things like that. So that was the first sentence. I was like, oh man, probably I didn't Rejection get Rejection letter. And the second paragraph, they were like, congratulations. I'm like, you could have started it with that. <laughs> You could have said that with congratulations instead, you know? Instead, they had your heart pounding thinking yeah, like, you got rejected. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and by the way, congrats again. So you now move in. Did you move in as the client success manager or was that, no, no, did that you was have to again yeah, yeah. work your way up? Yeah, um, the first role was pretty much um, working as an onboarding specialist for mm-hmm. our being platform within Microsoft Advertising. I spent about a year there. And after that, I got a promotion to being the client success manager that I'm at right now. Why do I feel like if I speak to you next year, you would have gotten a promotion for something else? Like, why do I feel? I so. <laughs> Let's like, see. 
So, 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 mommy, what is mommy's view now? Mommy must have been looking at you at the in these warehouses and doing these low jobs, going, "Oh my gosh!" I told you not to go. I told medical. you to do medicine. I told you to do medicine. So, 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 what is mommy? What's mommy's view now? You know, seeing where you're at now and what Microsoft represents in the world. What what is that like for mommy now? Uh, I mean, I want to believe that she's proud, but you know, Caribbean parents—they like, you know, they keep—they keeping it in the low. You know, they're not really gonna tell you, "I'm really proud of you, son." They're gonna tell you that. They're gonna say that to other people behind your back, but to you, they're like, you gotta keep pushing. You know, like it's not that yet. Like, keep going. Trust you know? me, I know. <laughs> I've met quite a lot of Haitian moms, and let me tell you something: they, 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 they know what hard work is. You know, yeah. they know what hard work is, and I think they just want the best. Um, for, for, for you. So, um, did you have anything in your life that you would regard as your biggest disappointment? Because to me, it sounded like your life was good. Listen, it's only until you told me you were lifting boxes. I was like, yo, this man has had a very easy, nice life. No, no, no. Like now, as I as you could see, like I, I posted the the pictures like from different t- point in time, but the 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 what happened between those pictures. Uh, was really st- a struggle for me, you know. But I'm glad I had the determination to make it through. But I've I've received a lot of disappointments, like in between those pictures, definitely. Like, in- which is your most, which is your most um, memorable one, or the one that um, resonated the most with you, or the one that redirected you, as opposed to, um, you know, should have been taken as something negative. Um, a lot of job rejections because I I, I I got rejected for over a thousand positions. That's what I count. Wow. Yeah. You know, like job rejections was pretty much one of the toughest things for me to accept because I, to myself, I was like, I went to school, got all those degrees. I you did, did everything right. But yet I'm struggling to find a good job. So I received rejections after rejections. I applied for jobs that were really, really low paying jobs and they rejected me. I'm like, okay, I'm coming in with a master's and a doctorate. And yet you tell me I'm not good enough for this low paying job. So I was like, I was pretty much asking myself, what did I do wrong? Yeah. That was time for me during those rejections pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what is your advice to anyone, um, whether they are students, whether they are um, young adults, whether they are working professionals, you know, what is the best advice um, that you can give your personal advice for persons who are within, they're in that situation right now where it's like, I feel everything that I've done, all my efforts have just been in vain. Nobody wants me. And the more I get dejected is the more I am going to reject myself. What's Mm -hmm. your advice to them? Pretty much keep your head on your shoulders, visualize the goal and keep pushing through. You know, I knew this was just temporary. Like I knew ultimately I would break through and I would get where I wanted to be in life. But, and in between, it was just hard, but I kept moving forward. That's why I always say, keep climbing. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a model that I like because keep climbing. You, you go where you are supposed to be because eventually you'll get there, you know? And right. again, if you can shape it in your mind, you'll find it in your life, you know, and utilize it. Absolutely. And I think what I took away for, or one of the things that I took away from your story is, is, is that even when things are handed to you on a plateau, even if a person wants to feed you and they hand you the food on a platter, you still have to open your mouth. Yeah, exactly. You still have to put in some level of work. So even with that gentleman, that recruiter, 
spotting you on LinkedIn and saying, hmm, this looks like a good fit. That was a platter. Mm-hmm. That was an offering. That was the olive branch. But at the end of the day, you still... I have to go through the interviews myself. You have to open your mouth and you have to go through those interviews. So, I, and, I, and, I, and I really think that was one of the most um, potent takeaways for, for me. Even if it come, the opportunities come in a blessing, they come easy, you know, you're given a, a hand. Even when you're given that hand, you definitely yeah, have man, to Definitely, because when I received that role at Microsoft... I had to move to a state that I didn't know anything uh, uh, of, or I didn't have any friends there. Like, uh, and it was so cold. Like, I had, sometimes <laughs> it was, sometimes it was negative forty something, you know. Um, but I had to move there because I knew I was seeking uh, those opportunities for my for my life. So I, I told myself, "You got to do what you got to do." So I moved to that new state, and from that new state, I moved to another state. So I moved two states yes. from Microsoft. So yes. far, wow. so I, I've been moving around because I'm seeking the next best opportunity, pretty much. Yeah. What's next for you? Do you even know what's <laughs> next for Dr. Stevens Bonham? What's well, next? Oh, pretty much enjoy the ride at Microsoft. Be, do my very best to assist my clients, give them the best customer experience. Um, I teach at the university as well. I'm a university professor. Pretty much educate my students to the best of my ability. Help them you know, go out there, you know, do something with their lives and be the best version of themselves. And just, I don't know, enjoy life and take every day one at a time, pretty much. <laughs> and when you're not working and empowering and working and empowering and working and working and improving on self, what do you do? What are um, you doing? Like in your time when you don't have to be dealing with no clients, you're not dealing no family or whatever, what do you personally enjoy? What is your escape, your vice? I feel like I'm always doing something. But if I were to take, <laughs> if I if I were to take like a, a day, let's say I really didn't have to do anything, you could find me probably playing some Xbox or FIFA. I love playing FIFA. Or oh, so you're the nerd that plays video games? Is the I yeah. never saw this coming. I thought you were gonna tell me. You know, I play chess. You know, Terry, oh, yeah, I, I, do play, I do play chess too. You, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, I play FIFA, I play Xbox, I play chess, I write novels or poems, I play some instruments, I play music as well. Um, I might do a few things, so depends on what I'm feeling doing at that time. Hold on a second. Oh, wow, wow. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's reasonable to say that chances are you're not just a nerd. Like maybe you are like a prodigy of. Of, of I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do know that I enjoy doing multiple things. That's for sure. <clears throat> Are women intimidated by you? Like, you know, people who <laughs> might look at you and be like, oh, he's handsome. Oh, you know, I, I would love, I would love to have a relationship. I mean... <laughs> Oh, I mean, I'm so sorry I had to ask. I have to ask because the girls who are listening are probably going to be like, is he single? Um, like, what is that like for somebody, you know, on your level who's constantly going, constantly working, constantly improving? You know, are you intimidating in, in uh, a dating world? Do you think you are? 
I think I've come I've I've come across that situation, but I always trying to put myself in a way to make it like it's cool. Like at the end of the day, I'm just a person. We might not have the same center of interest, but we can have a conversation. You know, we can find out what do we like exactly. But that's why sometimes I don't. I tend not to put those things forward. Like I don't tell people usually I have a doctorate or I do all these things, so I can give them a chance to show me their true colors. Because I know once I put that out there, sometimes I'm like, oops, I can't talk to you. They know. Their imposter syndrome probably checks in, and they go, yeah. "You know what? Maybe not. Maybe yeah, so, not." Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm. An, I'm a cool guy, pretty much. So I'm. I'm easygoing. So I can talk to anybody. I'm cool with anybody. I just. I don't know. <laughs> well, I realize. Have you gone back to your um to your home country? Have you? Um, Kate is on my list of places to visit. By the way, um, y'all cook real good. Yeah, understand. Like, Let me tell you something. Um, New York, I met a couple of Haitians and they wanted to feed me all day, every day, because mommy thought that you know I could be a little <laughs> bit, you know, get put on some weight. I'm like, you see, this is what these Haitian moms want to do. Have you <laughs> have you gone back home? Um, I, I haven't ba- been back, unfortunately, but I've visited um, other regions where I, I hung out with, you know, my fellow citizens and things like that. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely go back eventually. Very cool. In one word, oh, well, or two, or I'm not one word, but in one sentence, what is you? You are a little bit different because unlike my other guests, you wanted to be an economist. You wanted yeah. to pursue it. And by right, you actually did pursue it. Yeah. Um, you, your redirection happened when you had to accept roles and jobs that had absolutely maybe nothing to do with what you wanted to pursue, mm-hmm. which is life, which is life. Um, in a sentence or two, uh, whatever you want to, to, to say, what is redirection to you? Um, pretty much being flexible to do what you have to do so you can meet the criteria necessary to still meet your goal at the end of the day. So um, like I said earlier, I, I wanted to be an economist. I wanted to go to Harvard University initially, but I had to go to another school because I had a great deal from that school. So I did it save time, save money. But at the end of the day, I still got a certificate in sustainable business strategies from Harvard. So I still ended up there. I just had to take a different direction at that mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just make yourself flexible and have that growth mindset that you're always learning and improving and you're always doing what you have to do to to achieve your goals and do it with passion. Because at the end of the day, that's your choice. You should see it as your baby, you know? Uh, right, and passion drives it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. Where do we find you for persons who don't know um, Dr. Bonham, but would love to connect? Maybe, you know, they're on the same path. Maybe they have the same passion, the same goals, or maybe you've resonated and you've inspired people. Like, where do they find? I mean, I know you're on LinkedIn because that's how I <laughs> yeah, found you. Much, I'm pretty much all over social media. Like on Facebook, it's my normal name, Stevens Bonham. On LinkedIn, it's Dr. Stevens Bonham. On Instagram, is if you still put Stevens when you're gonna find me, but the handle is at BS Golden too. So okay. it's, uh, it's and yeah. f- and for persons listening, it's actually Bonhomme. So it's B O N H O M M E. Okay, and it's Stevens with a, a V. Um, yes. Will you be writing a book? You know, I mean, we just want to know. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I've had some people that ask me probably I should put my story in a writing and just so I could inspire a greater number. So. I'll probably look into that eventually, yeah. 
Well, listen, my dear, I thank you so very much for, for your time. I think, um, and, I, and I was saying it to you earlier, the fact that in the Caribbean, we know we have brilliant, brilliant people here. We know we are heavily talented. But because we're such a small region, a lot of persons just don't pay attention to us. Unless it comes to beaches and vacationing and our music and our food. And it's like, yeah, but we offer a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so um, I use this platform to also encourage persons to not be ashamed of their stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of persons are ashamed of where they came from or, you know, what their beginnings, you know, looks like. But it's like you would be amazed to know how much your story inspires exactly. and empowers. There's power in your story. And mm-hmm. just like you, we probably would not have had this conversation if you did not openly share mm-hmm. your story. So, um, you know, I thank you so very much from, you know, from a Jamaican on, on this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, you know to, to, to a Haitian, uh, just across the, the waters, you know, we wish you all the best. You're Thank one you. of you're one of us. You're one of us at the end of the day, and your success brings a spotlight to the region and to your country, and that's a very that's a very good look. So Thank I mean, I, I, I thank you, merci beaucoup. Uh, uh, je parle français un peu. Oh, oh my God. Listen, listen, by the way, ladies, please do not drop in his DMs. And if you're going to do it, please do it professionally for Christ's sake. Um, Thank you. And please give your mom all of our love. We know that mothers are the backbones of most of our societies. And mm-hmm. without them, you know, a lot of persons probably would not have attained the, g- the dreams that they have. So thank you so thank very you. much. Thank, thank you, much you very there. much. And to those of you listening, you know, just thank you for making it redirection with Terry Carell. It is my, it is my dream. It is my pleasure to, to speak to different people at different phases, different stages, different levels of successes, because success looks different and feels different to everyone. Right. So we just hope that there was something that the good doc said today that would have resonated and that you can apply going to the end of 2020 and beyond. So thank you so very much for making it um, redirection with Terra Curl. And I will see you next week. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>